Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now look here. Pull into that service station. I need a sarni. Okay, and I, in the meantime, will get onto my Radio Mobile radio here and try and carefully tune in to, to Jules and Jim's Joyride. Yes, terms and conditions apply. Welcome to this very special podcast where we have a very special guest indeed. A man that I have been longing to meet for a long time and now my dream comes true <laughs> because my co-host Jim is introducing me to Joe Pascale. Oh, here's Joe. Oh, listen, do you know how exciting this is? Because I've been on my own for the past 14 months and my neighbour's been all right, so I might just I might just start talking and not shut up at all. Can I continue about Noel Edmonds? We were just, about we were just talking Edmonds. about Noel Edmonds because I said... And I think this is true, that Noel Edmonds had his own water supply, which he bottled and sold as posh water from Blobbyland. Yeah. What, was it called Blobby Water? Well, I don't know. I don't know what it was called. I wouldn't buy it, though, if it was Blobby Water. I quite like that. I, I, I rather like the idea of Blobby Water. I'd rather like that. Apparently, he's got millions and millions of gallons of petrol all stored up on his land somewhere in case there's like a zombie apocalypse and they can all go, oh, let's go around and, and he'll start flogging your Well, well I always thought he was sensible, but I didn't realise he was that clever. That's yeah. that very good. Well, isn't I mean, that dangerous? Well, I think he's quite dangerous, What about yeah. if he stood out in his field <laughs> having a fag or smoking <laughs> his pipe? But presumably it's, it's all underground. It's not just of old baked bean tins no, like sloshing around. So. You know, petrol goes off, though, don't what it? What would you have in your bunker, Joe? What do I have? Wine gums. I think that's yeah. all you need. I like the yellow ones, which isn't a popular choice. No, Neve said it. It's, it's good. I don't know. Is it like, are they lemon ones or what? Are they pineapple? What is it? I don't think any of those things taste like what they're supposed to no, taste like. No, and I think no. if you were blindfolded, they all taste the same, I think. Yeah. Have um, you done that, that challenge? Um, no, I've, I've done hooded tasting. <laughs> <laughs> I do have hooded tasting of, of, of wine gums and wine, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, have you? That's good. Yeah. Wine, when when wine. I was at school... I was, when I was 11, my teacher, Mr Dixon, who was in the Second World War, he was a World War II fighter pilot ace, and he had a huge handlebar moustache. But on the end of his nose, he had a really long hair, about three, four inches oh. long. And we did that black tasting thing. So you close your eyes, hold your nose. So when he closed his eyes and held his nose... I thought it was an opportunity for me to snip off his hair. Did you? Which I did snip it <laughs> no. off. And then... He, when he opened his eyes, yeah. he said, who snipped off my hair? And everyone pointed at me and said, him, oh, him. Oh. So I got the slipper in front of everyone else. The oh, slipper? No. Yeah. Well, this is like Tom Brown's school days, you've got the slipper. Yeah. yeah. That's oh. how long you're in olden days time now. If you got it, he, he said, we're going to give you six, but if you rise up from your incumbent position... <laughs> Before the six is finished, you go back to the beginning. Wow. Which, and I used to think it was hilarious. <laughs> it did, I think I wasn't. It didn't hurt me. It would have hurt if it was my dad. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, mum and dad, you know, because yeah. well, it was feelings. something personal then, but with the two, it didn't bother me. <laughs> Incumbent as well. It's a great yeah. word. <laughs> but, but going back, how did you first meet one another? We met in the jungle. I'm a celebrity. Was that the first time we met? First time, in yeah. Because you came in about four days after me and Nancy yeah. went in, right? And everybody was speculating. We knew there was somebody else coming in going, who is it? And I kept saying to Nancy, it's Jim, isn't it? Jim's coming in. She went, no, it's not. She lied for the right teeth. I knew it was you because I'm making a double bed. I went, yeah. somebody else is, <laughs> who else is going to sleep in here? Well, I'm going to go, well, it's Jim then, isn't it? And she went, no, it's not. And of course, he turns up. We'd been there for four or five days, but nobody only watches. All the crew that you see have got um, their watches blacked out, oh. got gaffer tape on it. You've got no idea of the time whatsoever. So the days last forever, don't they? Yeah, but I worked out how it No, you see, time. that's right. Because we, we, we did, he was, he was, well, he is a genius anyway. But what happened was, he came in and everybody went, what's the time, Jim, what's the time? Like, what's the time, Mr Wolf? And he came in and he went, so I passed 12, whatever time it was. And so what, what he did, he actually got a stick in the ground and he used it as a sundial then for the rest of the week until, until it was got all cleared. Yeah. Genius, a yeah. sundial. Yeah. But, do you know, also, I backed that up yeah. because the film crew were in giant fibreglass rocks. Yeah. It was all real, but yeah. there was these big rocks that they put the cameras in. And I could hear them inside the rocks and they used to change over they used to have a, a changeover every eight hours yeah. so I could hear them and I thought it's six o'clock in the morning and I can hear them going uh, oh, I might hear all right <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit boring in here nothing go, nothing happening so so I knew it was six o'clock when I heard them changing over in there that's funny isn't it yeah mm. that was 16 years ago now I know nearly 17 years this year and you won it yeah because of your emu Escapades. Yeah, I know it was, wasn't it? That's exactly what done it. I know yeah. it was. What did you do with an emu? Well, he fell in love with some emus, and all the all the public were going, "Oh, look at Joe with his emus," and mm. he cared for them and tended them. Yeah, but that was where we first met because that was um, uh, or oh, we did a par. Did you didn't do a parachute jump then? Did you? No, I didn't. Because this, well, we're supposed goodness. to be talking about transport today. Partly, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, you sure. fly, don't you? Well, this is what I was going to say because after doing that. Um, we did a parachute jump. Did Nancy do the, the jump yeah, as well? Yeah, she did it, yeah. It was great. Have you ever done a parachute jump, Jules? No. Would uh, you do one? Well, I mean, I think that if 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 the plane was in danger or my life depended on oh, it, right, okay, But not by choice, then. I don't think I'd, I would be rushing to do it unless I was unless there was something I've done it a couple since. When you're going down, and I've done, no, I've done solo, I've done it, um, you know, with a bloke strapped on your back, tandem. And as you're going down, you're going like, terminal velocity which is like 120 miles an hour and then you see the ground coming up and you think if this don't open not only am I going to hit the ground at 120 miles an hour there's a 15 stone bloke strapped to me as well and it's that point that you think you really could die that you actually really, really feel like you're living it's really weird oh. you know esoterical thing going on in your head yeah. Yeah. I suppose the moment of real thing is when you're sitting on the plane about to jump out that well, must yeah, be quite a, what, a what's really weird is a bloke strapped to your back and you're like a, like a spider it's like some sort of it's like the film The Fly you're actually sitting there on the outside of the plane with hanging out with your legs out and he's on his knees behind you and he's kneeling there and you're gripping on the side of the plane and then he says what well, you've got to breathe remember to breathe because what happens as you're going down the, the air is forced into your lungs and if you don't breathe out then you're just going to pass out so the best way to breathe is to scream so yeah don't worry i'll be screaming all right so he goes one and, two, and they always go on two because on three a lot of people grip on the side so you don't realize it's going to go and you literally just roll out and then you just scream that's what happens mm. 
I don't think I can do it. No, you're, it's what you're describing. I mean, I think it it's very, use, very useful training for when I'm in an out-of-control plane <laughs> where, the, where, the, where they've all got food poisoning except me and I've yeah. got to get out. This is, what, this is another story. This Because as Jim just said, I've got a pilot's licence. After we did the jungle, I thought, if I can jump out of planes and helicopters, I should be able to learn to fly. So I've got a pilot's licence. And I've been doing a lot of, lot of stuff for the troops. I've been to uh, Belize. I went to Falklands three times and Iraq. got, got attacked in Iraq. They've tried to mort us down, all sorts of stuff. But I went to Cyprus and um, I was doing shows out there for them and I got asked if I wanted to go up in the Red Arrows because that's where they train every year. And I'll, I'm, I don't know about you, but if somebody else says to me, do you want to do something? I'll say, yeah. And if I can't do it, I'll learn how to do it because I'd rather have a story than, than go now and go home and say, oh, I got offered to go in the Red Arrows. Did you do it now? There's no story in that. There's no fun in that. So I said, yeah, OK. So they gave me a full medical and the week before I'd gone out there, I just had a vasectomy as well. I've never told this story ever. So I'd had the vasectomy done and then they give you um, a, a full medical and I told them about this and well, you should be okay then. So you get in this Red Arrows thing and they give you a quick briefing and the pilot's in the front and you're in the in the back seat but you're higher than him. You know, the passenger is in the front. Oh, right, so you can, you're looking over his shoulder. That's exactly, you're looking over the top of his head. His helmet's there and then he gives you a briefing that um, if something goes wrong, I will say eject three times. Do not eject on the first eject. Do not eject on the second eject. Eject on the third eject because I might change my mind and I might be to recover from whatever's going on so do not eject until the third eject I said okay he said because i cannot eject for you he said and there's a big red lever under the seat so he said if you had to say it three times pull that lever he said i can't reach around and get that for you you will have to do it yourself and by the time i've said eject three times i'll be going myself so i can't get you out of this okay fair enough then cool so they stick their thing on and then they've got this uh, g-suit on as well which have got all little bladders all these inner tubes all over it what's that for it's, they inflate and they stop all the blood coming from the brain and it stops the blood going to the major muscle groups so you've got it around the thighs around the chest up here uh top of the arms and around the back of the calves right that's where all these bladders go and you've got this suit on and as you're starting to do some sort of you know maneuver if you're doing the loop the loop these bladders start inflating so the pilot doesn't pass out so the blood stays in the brain so bear in mind, I've, I've had the snip about a week ago and I've um, got my boxer shorts on and he said, would you like to do some manoeuvres? So I said, yeah, well, what would you like to do? So we're going to do the loop-the-loop. So we're doing the loop-the-loop and, of course, these bladders start inflating around my muscle group so that you don't pass out. And, uh, and of course, my, my privates had fallen down the side <laughs> of these, these bladders and they start inflating, right? And I could feel the pressure on, on, you know, on my boys, as it were. Like, oh, my God, right? I'm going, oh, you might need to stop this. Like, no, 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 we're going to do it now, so don't bottle out. Bad, so don't bottle out. We're going to do this now. So, no, no, you don't understand. I said, my knackers are falling down the side here. And uh, I don't, I don't, I think I should have told you. I'd have scraped the screen there. And he's going, sir, can you turn your microphone off, please? I screamed in my ears. And I came down and it burst my stitches. I had to sew me up again. Oh, no. Back. No. Yeah. Yeah, and after that, particularly thought, brave. Yeah, it was really was, but I didn't know that was there because these things just inflate everywhere. But you couldn't sort of look down on them and be tapping him on the, the no, back of the like helmet and say, "Oi!" Like do, yeah, yeah, I didn't like to do that. It's a long explanation, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> he was a bit busy at the time. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So flying with you, would that be a safe occasion? No, most people won't even sit on a settee with me, let alone get in a plane. <laughs> I did have a plane, I did, I did buy one, and it was one of those follies that you get, and you go, oh, it's a waste of time, because you don't spend enough time in the air to really want buying it. And then I had, a, I had something called um, a Yak-52, which was a Russian military oh, I know thing. That. You had one of those? Yeah, the Yak-52, yes, great plane. With guns it? on it? You would, no, I had no guns, and it had been decommissioned, <laughs> but yeah, it was a proper, like, it was like a, a Russian Spitfire, is what it's like, Jules, it's amazing. Fantastic, plane. Painted, like a- painted in camera. Camouflage colours. It was, it was oh, grey. Yeah, it was grey. It was like clouds all over. It was like proper grey. It was like Russian colour uh, camouflage because they don't have the same camouflage that we have because they've got bad weather. And the thing is with those, they're, they're proper tanks in the air. And if, if you have an engine failure on that, they just drop out of the sky. And it used to. Oh, because of the weight of them. Yeah, and they're just not, not aerodynamically built to, to glide either. They're literally a, a war aircraft. That's, that's, what it proper, is. that's a proper aeroplane you had then. Yeah, it was. Not yeah. like a Cessna. But I never flew it on my own. I always went with my own. I was too scared to fly it on my own because it was just a. It's like learning to drive in a minute then going into Formula 1 straight away it was just too big too big a mm. beast to, for a, a novice like me to, to go and fly yeah, who, on was somebody, did, did the Russians sell it to you? Yeah it was all in Russian that was a thing because all the instructions you know, all, the, all the dials is all in you know, what, what's that saying now? Yeah, yeah we got, we're, we're above the channel we're in trouble yeah. look in the handbook oh it's in Russian yeah it was that yeah. everything was in Russian so that's what I was going to say the, I, I used to fly to France occasionally I'd go to the 2K go and get um, omelette and chips on the beach and then get back in time for X Factor and that was it and that would be a Saturday afternoon Fantastic. I went on a little, a little light aircraft to Latuka and went to the casino there. Did you? Yeah, I won 800 quid and then got back <laughs> in it and came back home again. But that's a pretty good day out. That was yeah. a good day out, yeah. yeah. That paid for the flight. I, 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 went, to, um, I went to Iraq, I was saying before, um, and there was me, Catherine Jenkins. Remember, you know Catherine? Yes. You must know Catherine, don't you? And Gary Rhodes, the chef, and he was, we was, went for Christmas. We was, uh, me and Catherine was going to do the show, and Gary Rhodes, the chef, was going to do a big Christmas dinner for him. And we got off uh, um, uh, at the uh, place in Baghdad, and they got this great big, plate, great big helicopter, and we went across these fields, and everything's on fire. It wasn't long after all that sort of been going on. And, um, and it's, it's like, um, it's like an oddity. It was a really weird sensation, because it is a war zone, but you feel like you're in the middle of a film. And we're flying along, and they've got all the musicians there, and all the band's gear, all the kit in the middle, all strapped down. And we're sitting around the edge of this old band's gear. And then all of a sudden, this siren starts going off, a klaxon, and this big red flashing light in the back. And then this, this computerized voice comes out going, Missile alert, missile alert, missile alert. And we're laughing, oh, look, missile alert, like that. And of course, there's some bloke on the ground got this mortar thing, and he, he fired it at us. And then they set this chafe off at the side, you know, to try and um, to get this rocket to go and chase that. And we're still going, oh, look what's going on there. I don't think we took on the seriousness of what was going on. This bloke was trying to shoot us down. And, uh, with a guided missile? Yeah, with a guided missile yeah. from, from and the ground, you right? Just kept inst- you kept, instead of rousing the training, you kept going, this is a laugh, isn't it? I know, it's exactly <laughs> what we're doing, right? And then, what was really, so this chafe goes off, and then you hear it explode about a couple of hundred feet behind you. go, oh, that nearly got us, didn't it? <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and it's like being in, in a movie. And then we land, and you do the show, and you come back, and you go, did that really happen? And it didn't, sure. it didn't, none of it seemed real, but it was. And you look back, and you go, wow, this is really weird, this. It's, it's quite tricky. In helicopters, I've been in, in a few, and... Uh, Twice I've been told that there's no radar. And I was once going down these cliffs and there was a lot of those jets coming over the top. Yeah. 
I said, how do you, to the helicopter pilot, I said, how do you know when the jets are coming? He said, you just look around. <laughs> says, and if you see one, you duck you out duck, of the yeah, way. Yeah. They said to us when we got to the base, right, they went, um, if we, we're expecting a mortar attack tonight because I've seen the helicopters coming in. So if that happens, uh, and my agent had said to me as well, he went, I'm not going to send you to Iraq and not come with you. I'll come with you. I said, OK, fair enough. So he comes with us. And I went, we are expecting being mortared tonight. If that happens, you'll hear the alarm go off. The lights will go into emergency mode. And then we need you to climb under the bed. Keep your, And you've got a flat jacket on all the time. Keep your flat jacket on with you all the time. And your helmet no further than arm's length away. So we looked at the beds, and there's about two-inch gap underneath it. So, well, um, there's no room to get under the bed. Well, if you've got no clearance under the bed, you get in the wardrobe. OK. <laughs> and then about half past two in the morning, of course, the alarms go off, and we go look at each other, and it's just real, then, or what? All we've got on is a flat jacket and a pair of pants. We put our helmet on, and we sit in this wardrobe for the next three hours, right? And he had the real bad wind. He was farting like a yak, right? Very bad in a wardrobe, was, enclosed wardrobe oh, situation. It was really bad. And I sat there, and I can't believe this is show business. I'm sitting in a wardrobe. In <laughs> this is why I went into show yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. With, with my pants on and a flat jacket, and you're blowing off all night. I'd rather <laughs> be on my own. And, and, a, and a packet of wine gums. <laughs> yeah, and no teeth. <laughs> <laughs> the other um, thing you were talking about on the way, and which is fascinating, which I didn't realise that you had a, you were in fact a, an expert on, is Dracula. Yeah, I'd done masterminds. You'd done masterminds, Jim, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What did you do it on? The Golden Age of Piracy, 1680 to oh, 1720. Did you? Well, have really? you done it, George? Yeah. No, I should have a go. Oh, you should have a go. Yeah, oh, you've been yeah. great at it. Well, I did it. The first time, I've done it three times. First time was on Vampires and the Movies. Second time was Werewolves of the Movies. And then the last one, I did it on Planet of the Apes. I've never won. I've always I've always come, you know, I've got all, right, all the things right on my specialty subject. And then John Humphreys always says, have a guess if, if you don't know it, you know, on the, on the general knowledge. And I remember once he said, what's the current Pope's Christian name? And I didn't know, so I just went, Kevin. And of course he laughed about 30 seconds, he wasted so much time, I came last because he was laughing. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, going back to Dracula, well, I, I grew up in Essex and Greys. And um, in the original story, he goes to Perfleet and he buys this place called the Carfax Estate. And when I was a kid, I was growing up around that way. And me and my mate Kevin Bloss used to ride on our chopper bikes down to Carfax Estate. Oh, which a lovely old... sight. What colour was your chopper? Oh, mine was blue. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah we had the three gears on yes, it. Exactly, remember that? Did yes. you have one? Yeah, with a little orange changer thing yeah, inside that was the gears. It. Yeah, did, did you must have had one, Jim, didn't you? I, got, I didn't have one then when they were first out, but I did get one later on when yeah. they, they, they were reintroduced That's and right, I got yeah. a free one. They weren't, they weren't quite as good, though, when they were reintroduced. No, because no. they didn't have the gears on. No, they didn't. Anyway, going so, back, so you're there on your chopper yeah. with so, the gears. So um, I became obsessed with Dracula, and so hence I want to go to Whitby as well. I want to live up there now. I started writing horror books a few years ago. I did a few courses with the Open University. I did geology, geoscience with the Open University, and then I started doing creative writing, and from that I started writing horror books. I've got a couple published, and then the great-great-grandnephew of Bram Stoker has approached me only in the past few months, um, commissioned me to write a book of short horror stories under something called, they're calling it the Stokerverse. They're doing new comics and trying to get the brand back to the way Bram Stoker wanted it. 120 odd years ago because uh how incredible but that's also may i say you, you are the best example of application we've ever had on this show because you taught yourself to fly well you went well, there flying no, no yeah. you went there, no but you, you, you yeah. started that flying lesson so you learned to fly yeah you know you've um right you it's a kind of crazy writing course and now you've had two published novels about uh, dracula stories. talk about getting it done that's I just realized admirable that, yeah but you two are like that have you, you ever, have you ever studied anything and then apart from a driving test, anything? I study things off my own back, not on an open university. 
I like to get, get study things intently. Well, what was your education though? But what was your background education though, Jim? If you don't mind me asking. So I went to. I think when I was at school, it was in. They said in the, t- the Times that it was in the top five worst schools in Britain. <laughs> was it? Was it just a, a, a state school then? What was it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I just went to comprehensive school. Yeah, that's where I went. Yeah. But I just I learnt a lot. Out of school, a so lot more, I, yeah. and like especially of parents and things like that. That's yeah. why you learn things, yeah, really, you do. isn't it? Uh, what about motor vehicles? Are you are you keen on those, or trains, uh, or anything, boats, any of those things? The best train ride I ever did was in Peru, and that was going from Cusco to Machu Picchu. Have you done Machu Picchu? No. Have you done Machu Picchu? No. How can you... You two are the most well-travelled <laughs> people in the world. Have you not done Machu Picchu? No, Machu yet. Picchu, right, in Peru. We are both two of the most well-travelled Victorians. <laughs> Machu Picchu, right? It's a great train from Cusco to um, to Machu Picchu, right? And I went with my mate Kev, who we used to go to see Dracula with, Dracula the Ghost. Um, it was him. And uh, he had a, a brain problem a long time ago and uh, he thought he was going to go and they operated on him, he saved his life and ever since then he sold his ass and just travels and he phoned me up once and he went, I'm in Peru, do you fancy coming down? So I went, yeah, and I just went. In was, Peru, do you fancy coming down? Yeah, yeah why not? it was okay. that. Did, and you fly, done... did you fly yourself there? No, I didn't, a bit too far, <laughs> Bill, so I've got a normal plane. And I went down there, right, and I met him in Cusco and we went to Machu Picchu and uh, he'd found this like a witch doctor bloke that was a, a local down there and um, it is just the most amazing place I'd ever been to in, in the world. And there's a man, there's two mountains beside it. And because um, he was a local, he, he, he lived around there. He, he, we got there before all the, all the tourists got there. And you get up at the, at the break of dawn, see the sun coming up, and all these buildings, some of them, some of them like the irrigation stuff, but it's all on these layers, it's all built on layers. And some of the irrigation stuff, as the sun shines on it, it looks like a snake coming down. It was done on purpose, not just an accident. It's built like the sun shines on it, and you get this shadow of a giant snake going down Ooh, the hill. And how old are the build? How old are the buildings? Well, they're still not sure. They reckon there's a couple of about thousand, a couple of thousand years old that no mm. one really knows anymore. They're still not quite sure why they built it up there. So this this witch doctor bloke takes us up beside the mountain. He says, "Right, okay, we're going to climb that mountain today." Go, really? Yeah. And it's so dangerous. You know, you have to sign the book in case you don't come back. They know you you fell off the side. We go up the top and um, and he gets a load of stuff out of his bag. He's got a little satchel with him. And he said, we're going to make a sacrifice now uh, nope. to Pichu Mama, I think, which is the, the god in the sky. OK, fair enough, then whatever that is. But you didn't get worried that the sacrifice might have been well, sort of yourself. Well, I thought one of us, yes. I thought going to... Yes. I've got to kill Kev, I've yes, got to kill yeah. me. <laughs> and all we had to do was give him something that was personal that was ours. And I, I like crystals. And I had a little tiny bit of quartz crystal, which I gave him. And... Uh, and he, and he buries it in the ground, right? He buries this, and then uh, he gives you a couple of these little, like, voodoo dolls and, and sweets and all sorts of stuff, and you wrap it in a piece of paper and you put a bit of wool around it and you bury it, and then he lights a fire, and then he's got these great, these great big condor wing he gets out of this bag, and then he starts blowing the smoke and starts chugging, doing all this with the condor wing, the smoke, and we're at the top of this mountain looking down on Machu Picchu, then all of a sudden, it was the weird, weirdest thing ever, it started lightning, it started, the thunder started coming out of nowhere, and this cloud just descended on us I thought oh no it's like being wow. an exorcist now it was one of, one of the most amazing experiences ever that's quite extraordinary it really was yeah well yeah. Right, that's the thing so you know of course I was reading I met um, actually we should invite her on uh, Bethany Hughes who's a television archaeologist but she's yeah. a great noted archaeologist and she said to me that she's been investigating the earliest musical instruments 
And oh, really? what she found was that the people, she said, in, she called it relatively modern times, which is about 1400 BC, but she said that's wow, modern because they're building, they're building the pyramids then. They're not Stone Age people. They're building right. the pyramids and, the, yeah. and all of that. So anyway, around about then, if they found instruments that the ancients were playing. She said they were playing pipes made of heron's uh, shin bones. So I said, well, they must be very small. She said, well, no, because we have just discovered that there are herons. We've just dug up these herons, which, in fact, would have been about seven foot tall and had a no. ten foot wingspan. You're uh, but they were hunted down. What an idea, a heron that was that big. Well, that, that was the first musical instrument that is known. Well, one of the earliest, yes. So wow. there's a lot of flute symphonies. I think so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But then with the extinction, where the heron was hunted down, yeah. that was the end of that instrument, you see. Yeah. Wow. You know, so you get the people... Oh, so they killed all the big giant herons. Yeah. Uh, yes. In favour of flutes. flutes. Yeah. Wow. Joe, I've been wanting to ask you this for a long time. Oh, well, I hate it when you say that. Well... Because I wanted to do a, a programme which was turned down years ago about Richard Dad. He was a very famous Victorian fairy painter. They really are incredible. Then he murdered his dad. He took his dad out for a drink, murdered his dad, then ran off and got on a ferry to France, then got on a coach and tried to murder someone else. And he got caught and taken to Broadmoor, where he spent the rest of his life. But if you look on Wikipedia, it says, he murdered his dad in a hollow which is on Joe Pasquale's land. <laughs> <laughs> And I you didn't know no, about it? No, no. See, I didn't know. I don't know that story, but I didn't even think it was real, right? But I didn't know his name was Richard Dad. But I knew that someone had, had killed his dad. I, I didn't know it was the same bloke that was tied in there then. Yeah, that was him, oh, Richard wow. Dad. That's a cheerful little story. It's, it's, yeah, it's it's all happened it? in the, uh, when is this? The early 19th century? No, it was late. It was, it was a late Victorian fairy oh. painting, when fairies were really popular. Yeah. yeah, nice. About the same time as Dracula. People then had a sort of a, you know, where they, you know, I'll just throw this theory out to you both, as we're both thinkers, and the listeners can maybe muse on this as well, you know, where people had come from the ancient dark ages of superstition and that, and then in the 18th century and the Enlightenment comes and they're all thinking, you know, about a science and things like this, and then by the end of the 19th century, maybe they're all thinking, well, we need a bit more fantasy, so they've got fairies and they've yeah. got fairy paintings, they've got Dracula, yeah. they've got all of this sort of... Uh, fantastic sort of stuff coming along, yeah. you know. Well, you oh, think well. about Mary Shelley and Frankenstein, like same sort of time. Have you ever seen a fairy? No, I don't think so. Have you? No, have you? I've seen a dragonfly, which I believe is a fairy. Oh, you're an angry one, though. Well, I suppose that that's what the... You know, if you look at pictures, old Victorian pictures of, of fairies, they're pretty much just a dragonfly. So maybe yeah. it was just wishful thinking. Because you see those... You know those photographs... That that per, I can't remember his name. The Reverend someone who took yeah. pictures of fairies in his oh, garden. Oh, the, the, the two little girls did it, didn't they? they? Did, yeah. And everybody bought it. They went, oh, these yeah, they fairies, thought they're yeah. real. Yeah. That's but I, the I'm worst always fascinated, bit of right? Photoshopping right. I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, and that was 120 years ago as well. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by dinosaurs though, because before you know, before they you know found the bones, it was only about 150 years ago that they found the bones. Before that, they didn't even exist. So there could be other stuff out there that exactly. we don't know about. Well, I've always held this about the unicorn, you see. Yeah. I went around the, <clears throat> the caves in Lascaux, wherever it is in France, where they, these two children stumbled in the 1940s, stumbled across these caves, found their way in, and said to their parents, you better come and see this. And the most incredible Stone Age paintings of buffaloes and unicorns and stuff all over the walls, you know, anyway. And the bloke's showing us round, we're going to have a look. He says, and here you can see all of the creatures that Stone Age man saw. There's the buffalo that he would hunt down, and there is the... The sheep that he would have kept, and there is, you know, the very, and there's a forest he would have he's painted these. He said, and he's put this fantasy beast, the unicorn, in there. And I said, um, hold on a minute. 
I said, if he's painted all those other things, and yeah. it's like it's like a really long time ago, how, why do you think that? He, why is he has he making up a unicorn? That's a funny thing to make up. He hasn't made up anything else. No. So therefore, I put it to you that it could be possibly that a unicorn yeah. exists. I can't see any reason why not. No, no, do I? If I was going to ride into battle, yeah, it would be on a either unicorn. a unicorn or a lion. Mm. Yeah, unicorn for you, Jim. Or a pterodactyl would be quite good. Pterodactyl is yeah. my favourite dinosaur. It's a great eye. Imagine yeah. now. Let, what do we know about the pterodactyl? Well, uh, what do you want to know? Yeah. What do you, yeah. What do you need to know? What size were they? Well, this is what I'm really fascinated. Forty foot wingspan. Oh, don't think. Was it forty foot? I reckon. Yeah. The thing is, this is what's really fascinating about dinosaurs is everything we see now. It's all made up. Still, like the, the the colours of them. They don't know the colour of it. They could have been blue for all we know. Yeah. But when you see Jurassic Park films. There was no skin. You would find his bones and go, I reckon it was green. I and reckon they were really yeah. brightly coloured. I reckon they were as well. Do you yeah. think, I think they wore makeup, lipstick and... Yeah. Pterodactyl lipstick on. Yeah. yeah. But if you did chapstick. Jurassic Park with psychedelic dinosaurs, people would just leave the cinema laughing, yeah, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be very fine. But I think you're right. <laughs> Bearing in mind it is modern times that they've discovered all this stuff. So who knows? What would you like to find under there, Joe, if you could find... What would we... uh, I don't know. You know what? Sort of, this is really fascinating now because only in the 1970s, plate tectonics was only discovered in the 1970s, right? That, that you know nobody thought that the plates were moving until, at all until the 1970s. So there is so much stuff under that we we don't know. And because of plate tectonics, you know, the oldest rocks on Earth are like well, half a billion years old or whatever it is. Because before that, this is all going to be disappeared in half a billion years' time. What's here now is going to be gone. Every trace of us will be gone as well. You might have these aliens, right, come down in half a billion years' time, and you have these geologists come down, they won't find a trace of us here, go, oh, this planet is completely deserted, and we don't know what was before us because it's all changed. They might just find the, the very tip of Canary Wharf sticking out of a great ocean somewhere. They could find anything. Say like there was could... some civilization lived here. Yes, yeah, it could be a bit of Perfleet left. Have you ever seen yes. an alien? Because I think I did <clears> last <throat> week. <laughs> well, recently? Not honestly, I was in York, sitting out on a balcony. Yeah. And I looked up in the sky and there was four lights in a square and they all went off in different directions. Oh. And one of them I followed and it went right across the sky and then stopped. So what we decided was it was either aliens or some kind of... Military thing. Military the, where did you science. Say, where, did, can I say, where were you sitting outside? Did you say a pub? No, it was on a balcony outside of an okay, Airbnb just, okay, in yeah, York. Just, just checking here. There was no drink involved. Yeah. If that's the way that you, <laughs> what, is, that's what you're, you're that's angling. What I, was, I was just exploring that. I see that was all. So come on, what what what, what did you see? Well, I, I was coming back from a gig at Butlins this was twenty years ago. I was driving down the M4, and I lived in Lowestoft at the time. And this is before everybody had phones with cameras on, so you couldn't take pictures. And I was driving down the M4, coming up to Reading, somewhere like that. And there was a field on the left hand side, and I saw this great big light come down, and it actually landed in a field. Right, there were cows in there, and then everybody said beforehand uh, that. If you see an alien spaceship or anything like that, you have to draw it to remember it if you haven't got a camera with <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah. So I, I was living in Lowestoft. So by the time I got back home, it was like four o'clock in the morning. And they said to, and um, they say they, I don't know who they are, but they reckon if you painted it and drew this picture, you have to take it to the police station and report it. So of course, <laughs> but I'll go home, get me paints out, I paint what I saw of this alien ship coming down with cows. I actually put, painted the cows as well, which they didn't need to see. But I painted the cows <laughs> and everything around it. And I went to the police station. By then it was about six o'clock in the morning. I saw this copper and and he. I was really excited and panicky. He went, what's the matter? I went, I've seen an alien spaceship. And he just looked at me, right? And he went, where? So I said, on the M4 near Reading. And he went, why are you telling me? So I said, well, I've done a painting of it. And I, <laughs> <laughs> 
And as I was saying this, I figured, oh, God, I sound a bit divvy in there, don't I? And I went, um, uh, yeah, I painted it for you. He went, why are you giving it to me? So I thought, you had to paint it and then show it to a policeman. <laughs> he went, why? I said, well, in case we get invaded, you have to tell someone. He went, I don't think they're going to come to Lowestoft, are they? So I said, well, they might do. That so, was a bad thing to say. Why shouldn't they come to Lowestoft? What's the matter with Lowestoft? So he went, you know, my shift finishes in half an hour. I really don't need this. So I went, <laughs> what should I do with it? He went, take it home and put it on your wall if you like. And he said, I'm not interested. So I thought, we could get killed. They could be everywhere. He went, well, they're not, are they? Just go home, will you? And I went home with this paint. I've still got the painting at home. I didn't know what to do with it. I felt right, Div. And here, a message from our sponsors. I bought a dog from a blacksmith. As soon as I got it home, it made a bolt for the back door. I bet it wasn't as good as the door locks and bolts I get from Locks of Love in Loughton. (laughs) (laughs) Joe, have you ever seen Uranus through a telescope? (laughs) (laughs) Oh! <laughs> did it, did it? You can't call it Uranus anymore. You have to call it your arsehole. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh! Whoa. You were a, a red coat, weren't you? I was, I was a green coat in actual fact. Yeah. What's the difference? Uh, well, red coats were Butlins and uh, green coats were. Red coats were communists. <laughs> blue coats yeah, were. Blue coats were. Yeah, but the, um... Green coats were environmentally. Yeah, the same yeah, they the Green Party, and then the blue coats told blue jokes. Is, yeah, I was for Warners, you see. I wanted Warners holiday camps. And you had to do everything. You had to call the bingo, referee the wrestling, um, do the whist drives, uh, tea dances, you know, the darts tournaments. And you also had to be a lifeguard. And I remember a bloke and the, the pool that they had there wasn't wasn't that deep. It was only like three foot six, four foot, something like that. And I was sitting on the plastic chairs uh, in my flip-flops and I just kept an eye on all these because it was a, a, an adults-only camp as well. <clears throat> so there's no kids there. And this bloke, he was quite an old bloke at the time, he was very tall. And I knew he only had one eye. And so as he's walking walking around the pool, his right eye was the one that he had a glass eye in. So he couldn't see the signs on the walls, you know, because on the other side, you know, saying no diving. Of course, he dives in and uh, and he bangs his head on the pool, oh. on the bottom of the pool. And he gets up and there's a couple of old ladies in the swimming pool. And he gets up and he doesn't know because he can't see out of it. Obviously, he's got no feeling in it. He's lost his glass eyes. Glass eyes popped out. Oh. And these old girls go, oh, lost an eye like that and they didn't know it was a glass that popped out it looked like he just lost an eye and uh, and so the bloke's going what and he didn't know he cracked his head he was all right had a bit of concussion and he put he put his hand there well oh, my eye's gone like that and all these these old ladies are really screaming and no it's all right it's a glass eye don't worry and uh, his glass eye was blue which was the same color as the bottom of the pool was painted so you couldn't see it so uh, i had to get in and try and find this bloke's glass eye and everybody's got out except for me and this bloke in there looking for his glass eye. And we couldn't find it, obviously. And it was in there for ages. And eventually, because you're diving under, you can't see it because it's the same colour as a as pool. And in the end, we were trying to feel it with our feet. And I felt it. In, and I got it in between my big toe and my long toe and next to it. And I pulled my toe out of the water. And it was literally, I had it between my toes like that. Oh. And he plucked it out of my toes. He went, oh, you found it. And he just put it back in his eye. Oh, and he shot wow. it between your toes. Yeah. 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 I was like, he could get a verruca off of that in a week. Oh, Baruka on the eye. Yeah. Oh. And it was that oh. Sammy Davis Jr. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still God, like. that was a thing. Well, um, that draws us fantastically to a close yes. of our, uh, our wonderful time with Joe Pasquale. 
Yeah, what a fantastic uh, journeyman he's been. Oh, everywhere. Thank you. What an example, great example of a man that can teach himself things. I mean, that's an <laughs> yeah. example to us all, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Joe Pasquale. Thank you, boys. Well, there goes Joe in uh, a red arrow towards his bunker that's filled with wine gums. I think it's filled with wine gums, and he's and he's when he gets to the to the bunker, he's going to eject. <laughs> we'll wish him all the best. <laughs> this podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.